0: Hello, welcome to Property Matters, a weekly catch up on all matters property supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. Live every Sunday 10am YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn and our website propertymatterstv.co.uk. If you're watching on the website, leave us a Google review. And if you're on social media, get involved in the comments section below and leave us your comments on the stories. If you've got any stories that you'd like us to discuss or any questions, hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk is the email address. If you don't have time to watch us live, you can watch us on catch up on a property um, podcast, which is Property Matters TV, on the channels that you see over on the screen there. And we're live every week on Dilsay Radio 2. Let's take a look at this week's news with our property expert, Joe Joshi. Hi, Joe. Hi, good morning. Good morning,
1: everybody. Uh, good morning to our viewers and listeners uh, on the podcast. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, um, let's let's update what's going on um, this week, Paul.
0: This is no shortage of buyers waiting for the right property at the right price. So uh, this coming from uh, one of the largest estate agents in the UK. This is Chesterton saying it sold 5% more properties in August compared to July and registered more new buyers, suggesting that house hunters have digested the higher mortgage rates and are taking in advantage of slower sales market. Buyers also appear to be encouraged by the fact that there are currently more mortgage products available than any time since February 2022, which is increasing competition among lenders and driving down rates. And meanwhile, some home- homeowners appear to be delaying putting their property on the market and are instead choosing to let them on a long or short-term basis. This has caused a 10% fall in the number of new properties being put up for sale in August versus July. Now, there's a certain amount of spin from Chesterson's in that story, I suspect, and that's fine. But what I wanted to talk about, and the nub of this story with you, Joe, is what are the options available to someone who's looking to to move their circumstances? In other words, should I sell now, should I not sell now? Should I just uh, look to rent it out, maybe, um, or, or and sit and wait until the market's in a better position? So I just wanted to talk around that general subject with you. You know, what are the options open to sellers at this moment in time, other than just putting it on and getting a depressed price?
1: Well, I mean, you know, again, it's the case of the need, isn't it? Is it, is it a need to sell? Um, and if there's a need to sell, then of course that has to be tailored um, on how that need can be uh, fulfilled. If you don't have the need to sell, then of course the best thing, best advice would be to uh, stay put, um, give it another, you know, year, 18 months, and the market will change and you would be in a perhaps a slightly different position but if it's the case that you you know it's lying empty and and you you can't afford to upgrade it um, and the borrowing is too high or whatever those other negative circumstances might be then of course you've got to tailor the price and sell um there is definitely a a, a market that um uh, is positive and that market is the cash buyers we know that because we've covered it in uh, previous uh, episodes and also we know that this current market that we're going through is a buyer's market so you know the cash buyers are out there and, and if they can find the right deal they will buy so that's why the market is still buoyant in that sense but the question is really is it the right thing for the seller the seller has to decide in their circumstances what it is and so, for example, a lot of buy-to-let landlords um, are, are, are beginning to having to dump their properties primarily because the, the rate on the buy-to-let was so high. Uh, it, it was beyond what income they were getting from their tenants. So they've given notices, they've vacated them, and they want to sell those. So the new people that are coming into that buy-to-let program are coming in with the new numbers in mind. So. Of course, they know that they're borrowing to, to buy that is going to be high. And they also know that they probably have spent, they've got the money to, to get it up to date. And they also know that the tenants that they are cutting now are paying much higher rents. So it's almost sometimes easy to get out by selling and let somebody else have that problem and start afresh, and then utilize the money that's been locked in to become a cash buyer to go and perhaps buy and negotiate better. So there is an underlying market that continues to flourish just because it's about understanding what that personal requirement is for each person.
0: According to Chesterton's a quarter, just under a quarter of, uh, of all people looking to sell in August decided that they would be more flexible on the pricing. But I guess that's understandable in a buyer's market. But I guess the trouble is then that puts the pain back on them because if they're going to get less for their property they're going to be looking in, in a market where they're going to have less to buy and maybe have to curtail their ambitions as to sort of size and area of properties that they're going to get.
1: Yes, of course. I mean, if, it's, if, if you're at a certain age group and you decide that you know you can downsize um, and move areas and locations um, and, and the needs that are, are, are different, of course, you can sell at a slightly reduced price because you've been put in that position to have to sell at the slightly reduced price and therefore you've got lesser equity to go out, perhaps move further out and buy again. But like I said, it's really a case of, you know, do you need to sell or can you hang out? And if you don't need to sell, then obviously you will stay where you are and and, and weather the storm until such time as you've got enough um, equity back in it or, or the market changes to become a seller's market as opposed to a buyer's market. But right now it is a buyer's market and only sellers that are desperate to sell or need to sell will be in in the market to sell and they will have to take a discount in in the cost uh, in order to make sure that they attract the right buyers
0: let's take a look at our next story then joe the uk's housing market is increasingly being driven Uh, by older affluent individuals already firmly entrenched in home ownership. It's the latest sign that younger generations are being squeezed out. Cost of living crisis, skyrocketing, skyrocketing interest rates and stubbornly high house prices have made it increasingly hard for younger generations to move up the housing ladder, research from data science firm Ultra reveals. The average age of those tipped to move home in the next six months has surged three and a half years in just 12 months amid signs younger households are being paralyzed in their efforts to move home. That leaves the medium age at uh, the median age at 52 and a half years old from 49 years old last year data indicates that every age band below the age of 45 is set to find it more difficult to move the market is expected to be driven by older households in particular those that already have significant equity in their property over the age of 55. so this suggests then joe that it's going to be more frenetic in the larger house like the four bedroom detached and above
1: yes so um people that have had established homes for many years have got perhaps more equity in their property, uh, so yes, you might be a half a million pound. To be perfectly honest, yeah, half a million pound is pretty much a norm now. I know the UK house price average across the UK is probably about two hundred and eighty thousand, but you know if you look at it regionally and if you look at it, you know where is the powerhouse? The powerhouse in the south. The average house price is going to be a uh, circa half a million pounds to a million pounds in some cases. Um, and that is people that have been in that marketplace for a much, much longer period. And so there is equity in their property that allows them to utilize that equity to become the real buyers in the current market, which you know does provide potentially uh, that bank of mum and dad for the children. If they are, they've got the equity in there to be able to do that. But the the real question really here is the value of or the cost of borrowing. So, you know, roll back time. Um, six months ago, the cost of borrowing was much, much lower, and people were happily refinancing and lending that money to their children for them to buy. Now it's the case of, you know, can they afford to do it on that basis or use the existing property, providing security, and then borrowing some of the money against that in order to perhaps either help the children or to invest themselves into a property that is then going to go up in value perhaps in the next 12-18 months. And sometimes that extra value could be the reason why they withdraw it and sell it and use that money towards maybe the help for the children as a a deposit going forward. So everybody has a strategy as to what they think they can make happen. But certainly the way I'd see it is that um, the people that have the equity have the power at the moment to negotiate and borrow, or not in some cases not borrow, may have the savings um, at that age to be able to say, OK, well, we can afford to go and buy this and put a deposit down and, and so forth. I've recently shown people around many uh, properties and flats where they are just looking to buy as an investment, but they have the cash. They are cash purchasers. Um, And they have to. And under under auction terms and conditions, most people that are going to buy need to know that they have the cash um, or they have the ability to get the cash to conclude that deal at the right kind of money.
0: Yeah. Retiring boomers may be looking, they say, to move to a house in the country or a new life abroad or downsize and pass on the wealth to the children, the millennials, of course, so that they can get on the ladder. Uh, the research shows that more than half of downsizers, 51%, have owned their home for over 20 years and three quarters, 75%, have owned it for 10 years. Uh, Savile's research into attitudes to moving reveals that older sellers, typically downsizers and empty nesters, are among the most committed buyers in the market with a net balance of 52% planning to move in the next one or two years. But emotions play a significant role in the decision to move. ultra uh, suggests, the people who did this survey, that the housing market is now the preserve of the old and the rich do you think that's fair well the question is
1: has it not always been um, of the old and the rich um that hold the portfolio the bigger portfolios of properties that are rented out are obviously of the old and the rich um and they've been passed down in generations i mean i've dealt with a number of properties recently which were part of your hand downs from a previous generation that had a portfolio of properties that they used to rent out um and they've now given to children and and so it's a continuation so i don't think that's a new thing it's a new thing in the in the current climate because obviously it's a buyer's market so the only people that are out buying are perhaps the over 50s uh, who have the the, um, ability to and also have the equity and the capital to do so but that will change soon. That will change again. You know, it will become a buyer, it will become a seller's market. And these people that have been buying at this level will become sellers. They want to sell um, or, or they'll release the equity out of it and, and help the children to grow on there, or transfer properties within the family or into limited companies, etc. to make sure that they can release the equity that they made out of the properties.
0: In the Savills survey, they did 2000 buyers and sellers and they probed feelings about moving home. Um, And when they asked about the driving motivation behind moving, lifestyle factors revealed to be, of course, the most important to downsizers and empty nesters. And there's a new phrase, right-sizing. So almost half hope to right-size now, looking to live in almost a more manageable-sized property, while a quarter, 24% are seeking a lifestyle change. It's interesting that 164,000 first-time buyers are expecting this year to receive family assistance from the bank of mum and dad uh, to get their mortgage in 2023. 164,000 first time buyers are looking to the bank of mum and dad. That's astonishing, isn't
1: it? Well, it's a pretty precise figure. It just goes to show there's 167,000 property owners who've got equity in their property to be able to assist uh, their children to do that. And that is the bank of mum and dad. That's what's gonna have to happen. It's the way the, the market goes. what that really goes to show in my opinion is look what that investment in property has done for those families who are now in a position to be able to help those children and long may it continue because that's the only way young people are going to get onto the housing market onto the property market because if it was all just you know cornered by one sect in other words people just say well actually i bought it i'm not going to help you then of course we will always have an issue with it but parents will obviously help and ultimately you know, we don't going to take this away with us. You have to remember this, the bottom line is, we think we're here indefinitely, we're not. So, you know, they're going to get it anyway, aren't they? So they may as well give it to them whilst they need it rather than, you know, at the end, when, you, when, when they've had to fight for it. And, uh, you know, so I think, I think uh, it's the right way uh, to, to assist the kids, but equally, it's the right way for people that have got the money to invest with the future of just those things in mind.
0: According to Savills, owner owner operators, owner occupiers aged 65 plus hold a record estimated 2.587 trillion of net housing wealth in homes worth a total of 2.735 trillion. The vast majority of which is held by mortgage-free homeowners. 2.038 trillion is mortgage-free, and this has risen by 1.111 trillion over the past 10 years. That's some. um, Yes,
1: that's a few trillion in all round,
0: isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah, it's it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a huge amount of wealth in a very small niche, isn't it?
1: That's right. But, you know, I'll go back to my, my four or five points. We are an island. We, we can only go up or down. We can't expand. We're limited to what it is, and everybody wants to be here. And so that just goes to show why we are in trillions and trillions of worth and value in whatever shape or form somebody holds that property, whether it's you know cash free, cashed up, or total value, uh, it is an area of high investment, security, and people would never ever stop coming from it. We will have we, in another three years, Paul, we'll still have this program um, to discuss the same discussions that we had and more, <laughs> you know, uh, because it is a lifestyle program. It is a lifestyle. Thing that we all live for, property is, you know, the top five subjects for everything, and uh, just those numbers in trillions tells you the story in itself.
0: And of course, the other point to to take on board is that when these uh, right sizes or downsizers, whatever we're going to call them now, uh, when they do their right sizing, they of course are becoming cash buyers, aren't they? Well, they're releasing equity and
1: they're looking to say, okay, well, I'll, I'll you know, right sizing is someone who's perhaps on their own now in a big house it's always there it's just a new word It's that is it's never changed it's just a, a new uh ism right sizing is a new ism for for people who have got a big home on their own sitting there and going well I've got all this equity I've got all this headache you know now it's time for me to right size I'll drop down but they the hardest thing for right sizes is is compromising what they have and that is a real challenge so if you are sitting in a a two acre very nice you know plush home and then you're going to be looking at going into a a flat or something like that it's it's just a challenge so those people are right-sizing to perhaps smaller version of what they've got and releasing the equity that gives them their you know sound income for for the time that they're going to live on or to be able to be assisting children grandchildren and and so forth in order to get onto the property ladder but the fact that they are right sizing clearly shows their family that that was the right thing to do in the first place is to buy uh, a property so that you have this problem of right sizing at some
0: stage Indeed. Moving on to our final story for this week, a uh, total change of tack. Uh, property solicitor Sim Sekhon has uh, warned that... Widespread and serious delays in the courts, which landlords face when seeking to regain possession of their properties, is creating a major crisis in the industry and deterring many people from investing in the private rented sector. Several factors have contributed to the backlog of cases, including delays caused by the pandemic and funding cuts. The issue has been made worse because of the fears about the provisions to be enshrined in the renters' reform bill, Landlords are leaving the sector and pursuing no fault evictions while they can. Then there are further delays to moves being taken to protect bailiffs' safety. It is already a dire situation, and there are currently no signs that the pressure on the system is easing, particularly in London, according to uh, Mr. Secorn of Legal for Landlords. He said, We shouldn't forget that every month of a delay represents a significant financial cost to a landlord, along with continuing stress and worry. Often there are small scale landlords who are at the end of their tether these are the ones that are becoming the victims he's saying the, the system that should protect their interests is failing to do so what are your thoughts on that fairly strong words from mr second
1: well it's not surprising but i have to tell mr second that basically this is a government driven uh, delay um and the government obviously have has indicated that you know these things will take longer to be heard in court simple reason you know they know that uh, It has been difficult challenging time with the cost of living and so forth and if they do clearly get vacant possession of these properties landlords are either looking to sell and it's a reduce of stock of lettable properties for proper people that may have difficulties in finding going going forward they're gonna end up at the local authorities doorstep saying well I now need to be rehoused and the local authority does not have available stock to be able to do that so their view would be to delay this as long as possible um and and, you know long may the renters reform not come in my opinion because i think that you know it is going to really make it even more difficult for landlords going forward and that's the other reason so if the government was to actually drop the the idea of the renters reform and perhaps water it down uh, a little bit then the chances are that people wouldn't be rushing to try and get eviction, they will probably try and work together with them. But the renter's reform bill is created the rush for more people wanting to have evictions because they know that the minute the rental reform comes in, they are not going to be successful in getting vacant possession of their properties from the current tenants, who may be problem tenants in the first place. So. Um, uh, I, I accept what Mr. Seco is saying. I think he's right to, to point out that it is taking time. but I have to say it's taking time because the government has got themselves you know into this situation where um, the cost of living has made it impossible for people to actually pay their rent or meet the amount of rent that is required. and most landlords on a bite and let, especially what are um, new landlords, are landlords that um, are having to you know uh, look for eviction because their mortgage rates have gone sky high in comparison to what they were actually getting in rental so it is uh, it is again i'll go back to the same thing and i'll say you know they've got to communicate with the with the tenants and the local authorities and try and find a solution to get more money so that they can keep them in but it's the fact that they can't keep them in that makes them want them to vacate the property in the first place
0: He suggests that there is a geographical factor to this. So in London, not surprisingly, some of the London boroughs are particularly slow in this. Edmonton, Wilsdon, Croydon, Clerkenwell, Shoreditch, Stratford, Central London and Romford are places where landlords are experiencing the longest delays in his experience. He says many landlords are stuck. Their financial position is deteriorating and the misery is made so much worse because they don't know when the situation will finally be resolved. It's a fair point. Absolutely. And, and, and as, like the reason for that
1: position being solved is a time factor based on what we are currently feeding. And I, I know that I've had conversations with, with people and um, they've, they've said that, you know, obviously they have put a break on uh, courts uh, pushing this forward. Primarily because they can't afford that backlash of all these people uh, becoming homeless. What are they going to do with them? So they'll delay it. You know, they'll they'll delay it and they'll make it difficult. And the renters' reform will do exactly that, Paul. You know, that's the problem with the renters' reform. You have to start to communicate. They don't want it to come to court. They want you to you know have an arbitration amongst yourself, and it's the last thing. And if you haven't got your case right, they'll throw it out. So you could be in an eviction process for two years in some cases, maybe more. Um, and so that's why there's the rush now under the Section 21 notice policy. They can turn around and say, well, look, it's not working for me, you've got to go. And what the uh, local authority will say to a landlord or a tenant is you stay put until you get eviction. Because without the eviction notice, we can't actually theoretically house you because we have to have an eviction notice. So it's a system. And that system will only be delayed because it needs to be
0: delayed uh critics will say that actually well if if you're having trouble then you can apply for an accelerated possession order which allows landlords to deal more quickly with Difficulties in tenancies, such as unpaid rent, for example, rather than having to wait for a court to process an application and evaluate the case, accelerated possession orders allow landlords to rectify issues more swiftly. Or do they? He points out that an accelerated possession process is a 14-day paper exercise. Or is it? The clock starts when you submit your possession claim with £355, of course, which is the admin fee. And that varies from court to court around the UK. So it could be uh, a week or longer. Uh, Then another week or two for the court officer to serve the notice on the tenant. Then the tenant has 14 days to raise an objection. Here uh, enters third party advice. no alternative accommodation available or the landlord won't, uh, wants, um, won't won't touch them. Objections received. Wants to hear a legal representation. All these kind of delaying tactics. Courts that court will then schedule for months ahead. Court hears last 15 minutes and possession order. The court hearing last 15 minutes and possession orders are granted but hardship claims delay it for a further six weeks. At the end of six weeks the tenant hasn't moved out. Landlord back to court for warrant and service by county court bailiff. Extra cost there of course bailiff gets around a week or even a month later to get to the property finally and serve the warrant on the tenant be back next week usually minimum seven days better be out or we will be <laughs> yeah yeah so, i mean it um, just goes on doesn't it
1: yeah and so what 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 where where is it you know uh, uh an expressed uh, eviction there is no such thing as an express eviction <laughs> or 14 days, because basically you're just starting your process a bit earlier, but it gets prolonged as the system goes on. So either way, it's going to take time.
0: They're saying that uh, the the renters' reform bill really could be quite dangerous because they've already got, of course, the Renting Homes in Wales Act 2016. And he's saying there that if a court finds in favour of a tenant, which could be a technical objection, you cannot start proceedings again for another six months. They did, however, retain Section 21, which has now got another name, which requires six months' notice to expire which equals one minimum year, plus all the uh, above time that the tenant hasn't vacated, which can mean two years to get the tenant out. It's no wonder that landlords have had enough. That's
1: right, that's right. And as I said, the, the system has been delayed because it, it needs to be delayed. What are they, they gonna do with all these people? So you know they, they must learn to communicate with their landlords and tenants in order to make sure that we don't get to this stage. It's when they stop the communication and people stop paying rent and perhaps their rent is being paid by the local authority or they've lost a job. A lot of people are always probably, you know, cautious in not taking out the appropriate um, insurance um, for, for loss of rent because they think it's just another cost. Why should I do it? It's not going to happen to me. But it's times like this when you look back and you think, okay, well, it was probably worth me paying the extra 15, 20 pounds that I needed to pay for, you know, insurance to protect myself against. Okay, insurance companies are just as bad. They're not going to pay out willy-nilly. But if you've got a chance, then it's worth having those things, those products to make sure that you do protect yourself. Um, And it's going to be an ongoing thing. But uh, right now, I think the the government's drive is to prolong it as long as they can. I just hope that this renters reform doesn't come in because then we are really going to have an issue on our hands.
0: Yeah, what he says finally on all of this, of course, is the fact that during this time, the landlord's often not getting a penny in rent um, uh, and and um, there's never any hope of seeing it even with a court order. So his suggestion is that really don't go into buy to let unless you've got very deep pockets because what do you say to your mortgage lender when you can't keep up the mortgage repayments?
1: Well, they're going to repossess it and they, they have a, certain, a, a position as well. The problem the, the mortgage company has is as long as there's a tenant sitting in there they still got to go through the same process in evicting that tenant in order to have vacant possession to be able to sell it. They can't sell it. Well, I suppose they could sell it with a, with a, uh, a tenant as an investment. But what, is, what, what investment is there if the tenant isn't already paying their monthly payment? So they're not going to get the market value. So it's a lose-lose situation all across um, for both the uh, lender and the borrower. And the only winner is going to be the tenant that's sitting there, who may have sat there for the last year, not paying a single penny, but under the rights that they have, are happy to sort of carry on living there for free.
0: I think, well, we've got an election coming up, of course, um, as we reveal um, on our programme last week, the, uh, the 44%, I think it was, of people say that uh, that that the housing situation is going to affect the way they vote so we're going to have an interesting probably 18 months uh, going ahead in in the property industry joe how do you see it panning out
1: well i see that uh, you know the uh, autumn budget i'm i'm expecting a positive stuff for the housing market uh, certainly for the first time buyers i'm expecting that um, the um right to buy the um uh, the um support that um uh the government will provide will come back into it to help to buy scheme sorry um and um and i'm hoping that that is open to not just new builds it's open to uh older properties um the percentages are right and people buy into that um and i'm hoping that the first time buyers get a chance to get on the housing ladder if it doesn't start with them on the first run then the whole thing becomes stalemate it does get okay there is a another access which is buy to let but then it means that these tenants will forever be renting and not have the chance to buy their home and I know that most people have a wish to own their own home and so hopefully that's what we will see going forward in 2024.
0: And of course the rumour if it's true that uh, Rishi is considering uh, easing uh, capital gains tax with a view to actually phasing it out so uh, should be interesting times I think.
1: Yeah, well, I think you know, like I said, well, we know that the government will do what it can, and I've said before in our previous programs we are a pawn in the game, and we will be used in order to do that. But you know, when it comes to property, I don't think that we actually mind being used because if it means that the government is supporting a scheme to help first-time buyers get on the run of the property ladder, then long may that exist and long may that continue. Uh, it's when that stops that it makes it difficult for other people. But you know we know that investment in property, whether it's just to live as a home or, or, or as an investment in property to, to make money on, is a good thing.
0: And on that note, I think we'll leave it there for another week. Time has beaten us once again. Join us again for another Property Matters very soon.